Welcome to Any Music Podcast, episode 323, Mixing With Your Eyes Closed. Any Music Podcast has a Patreon. We invite you to come check it out. Uh, there you can get some pre-release videos and extras for members only. So um, we invite you to come by, help support the channel. Thank you. This morning, Matt and I get together and uh, have coffee and talk about getting the monitor out of the way, focusing on what you're hearing and using visual tools as an aid to what you're hearing rather than really having them be the predominant decision-making tool in your workflow. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Doug. How you doing? Oh, good, my hair. <laughs> doing all right. How are you, man? Dude, that is so punk. You hear me all right? I can hear you great. <sighs> I am using my Slate microphone today. Let me see. It's Could, the uh, ML1. Yeah. Couldn't quite see it, but trying to make no, it. No, I, I had it hanging overhead, but then it was like, that's just too intrusive. So okay. I, I put it on a different arm. It, it's, it's awkward because, um, it's clearly not made to go on a boom stand because it's got a, it's got like the, the cage shock mount, oh, which right. makes it really kind of awkward to have on a, on an arm rather than a stand. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I've, I've, this is I've like the a, third configuration I've tried to do. That's <laughs> right. Here. Yeah. I've got one mic that has that, uh, um, I can never remember the name of the, of the cage type. I just call it cage. It's, it's probably not coming gotta... to me. Uh, starts with an L, but anyway, um, mm. but it works really good on the boom. Um, but it's really designed for, uh, you know, to be on a regular mic stand, I think. So, yeah. So, yeah. so do you like, well, I mean, you got your sideways, a lot of people put them upside down, right? People put them right side up. Well, it's a, it's, you know, the diaphragm is a circle, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, typically either put them, people put them right side up or upside down. I had it upside down. Yeah. But um, I think upside down like has like a, a a cool factor to it. There is a cool factor to it. Well, it also the whole idea there is that you know you sing up to it, and so you get a little more. You know, no, power. I, I think I think if you had the mic upside down with <laughs> that punk do you got going on today, it would like take it over the top, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I do love the way this sounds. It's a good sounding yeah. microphone. Sounds really good to me right now. It's a good, it's a good sounding microphone. It's, it's heavy ish. Uh, it's not as heavy as the Samson, which just made this arm just drop. Oh, but, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a lightweight mic. It's a solid, solid mic, but it goes into this proprietary shock mount that, um, it sits in. So you're so. kind of getting quite the, the mic locker. Um, these are all mics that I've had. I've had all these mics. I just haven't used them. So that's why I kind of use this as an excuse to kind of check them all out. So you've, you've got kind of quite the mic lock locker. Yes. Correct. <laughs> uh, is my signal hot? No. Okay. You're hot. Your signal's not. Ah, right, thank you. Ba -dum -ba. <laughs> um, no, it sound normal. Okay. Yeah. I try to, cause I don't change anything man i know but and yet somehow <laughs> things change <laughs> whether you want them to or not have you had a good week 
Um, you know what? It's been an interesting week. Uh, I have, um, this is kind of like a between projects week for me. I mean, I feel like June is always slow for me, I think because of, you know, school ending and graduations and people transitioning from, you know, school time to not school. I, that's my theory anyway, why June is always kind of a little slow for me. Anyway, it's between projects. So I've been doing a lot of backend stuff, a lot of website maintenance, SEO stuff. I just finished spending a couple of days putting together this giant spreadsheet so I could update my sound exchange catalog, which apparently they had nothing on file for me, even though I already submitted all my stuff. Um, it's just, yeah, that kind of stuff, backend stuff. Gotcha. Feels good to get that out of the way, but I have nothing visible to show for it. <laughs> but it's stuff that's like that cruft that hangs out in the back of your mind. Oh, I got to do this someday. Anyway, I've been working on that. What about you? What have you been up to this week? Well, I, I've got so much that going on that I can't talk about right now, which sucks. Mm. Um, but uh, it's been an exciting week. I um, I repurposed a, 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 a kind of a, it's not too old, but an older MacBook Pro for oh for business um, okay. cuz i'm tired of having all everything in the studio computer and you know mm. i mean I, I just want to be able to work on um the business anywhere right. and uh and not have to um come down and and use the studio resources for you know for estimate estimates and invoices and and things like that so i set up a new computer um also uh, you know, of the things that I can't talk about, I'm just like, it, it, it's, I'm, I, <laughs> that's it, exciting. Though. I want to just like, like regurgitate everything that's going on. But anyway, a lot of exciting things uh, happening right now. And some is just a, a waiting game and others it's want to see and make sure that that things actually um, come to fruition on. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a few of those in the wings. Yeah. I need so, to check on. But hopefully there'll be some uh, um, some good news here, uh, maybe by the end of the month or um, cool. or the beginning of July or something like that. Well, so that's we'll exciting. See. Yeah, I do know what you mean about the laptop. I'm glad that I work off a laptop, and that is one of the reasons because you know I like to sit and watch a baseball game and and do accounting or uh, yeah work do website maintenance or you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to have to come out. It here just makes it easier, you know. And so, I mean, I can still do it on the computer down here. Although, I do want to offload some things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of what I do is is web based, so it doesn't really matter. That's not mm -hmm. like I have a whole lot of uh, applications. Uh, considering maybe uh, transitioning the podcast and uh, all the post production stuff for podcast video mm -hmm. onto that machine, okay. maybe, and maybe doing the you know doing Zoom on that instead. Because uh, mm. then I have more options as to where I can, you know, the true, view true. and, you know, how I want to set I up. I like and... this background of yours, though. This is such a, it's a professional looking, I'm in the <laughs> studio hanging out with my headphones on background. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I, yeah, I like it too. And, you know, this is my view. Normally I get, you know, uh, I'm fortunate uh, to, um, I like this atmosphere, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a good place to work. And uh, if you want to call it that. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So it sounds like uh, you know you're pulling things uh, uh, together, organization and stuff, and I'm trying yes. to develop new things. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's it's good to have a little season of of working on the business rather than in the business. Yeah, yeah. Because that stuff usually gets pushed to the back burner, and then at some point you're kind of like, ah, all my websites need to be updated. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hacked. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that. 
<laughs> so our topic, um, I, I has spent um, uh, some time just per, you know, like in the evenings. I, I I usually spend a little bit of time just kind of perusing YouTube, and mm-hmm. um, I ran across a um, Michael Brower uh, uh, video, um, and I think it was can't remember now. Might have been like a United Audio or something like that. Yeah, he's, uh, he does a ton of interviews. Yeah, and he he was in there uh, someone else's studio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, doing an interview and and he was talking about you know getting the 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 computer monitor out from in front of you. Um, oh, yeah. and I think his point was like when you're at your mixer that it's not in front of you. You know, at that point, um, uh, there's right. and, and and to his point, he was saying that. Um, it's a distraction from your ears, you know, um, it is. Yeah. And, um, and, and I just, uh, so I, I've liked him for such a long time and, uh, and I just so resonate with that, you know, th- that idea. And, uh, you know, and I, I've, this is how I've set my studio up and it wasn't really because Michael Brower said so, you know, it's just right. that through, <laughs> uh, cause I used to have my monitor, uh, right in the middle, um, when my studio was reconfigured the other way. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I started out with it here and, and I just, and it's a pain to move the computer for testing and stuff, but I did it. Um, and there was such a difference in my sound field, um, without having, uh, the, the monitor in front of me in the sound right. field reflections, you know, off the screen, you know, right into my face, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And then there's to his, also to his point was the uh the tendency to over rely on 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 what you're seeing rather than right. hearing and, yeah yeah and, and and i totally get that and i know you do too and spend a lot of time well for me mastering uh with my eyes closed mm-hmm. uh because i think that your uh, other senses kind of heighten up and it takes True. a little bit little bit it doesn't happen immediately you kind of actually have to have your eyes closed for a period of time you know and just listening Mm -hmm. and i found that um like my hearing becomes more focused acute uh, you know and uh you know centered on on music i can really uh, pick out instrumentation and listen to individual Mm -hmm. parts and, and you know and really just get that focus that when my eyes are open and i'm and i've got all the other stimulus going on that uh, I don't think I have that same level of, of focus. For sure. And that's why I like to put my, so my, my com- computer, my, my screen is off to my left here. And Michael Brower's point was, you know, is, is just get it out from in front of you. Put it off to the side, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think for him, I don't think he was addressing that from the point of view of it being interference in the, st- in the sound field. That's kind of my experience with it you know and measurable um you know because Mm -hmm. i i do the um the studio i actually you know so it's it's kind of hidden now and uh it's not you know interfering uh with that stereo image which is really important um for the stuff that i'm listening for but yeah so michael brower um i think i mean he's been very influential on me i'm uh i'm on my like third iteration of uh my mixed template based on the way he routes all of his different sounds oh, and yeah. groups them. He's very, he's an interesting one to listen to or to listen to, um, take advice from not because he is Michael Brower, but because he's kind of a bit of an iconoclast kind of like 
he doesn't really care what anybody else does or how anybody else does anything. He does stuff his way and it's unique and it works for him. And he'll be the first to tell you that it works for him and it's not necessarily going to work for you. Um, and it's just stuff that he's developed for me personally. I totally agree with, uh, mix with your ears, not with your eyes and how easy it is to get like overstimulated by all of the bouncing meters and, uh, like thinking that you can hear something when you realize it's in bypass is the favorite, uh, thing that ever happens to everybody. But, um, I don't have far fields. I only have near fields. So my monitor being in the center does not interfere with my sound field, but it is still a distraction. And, uh, whenever I'm trying to hear something specific, I, I will always look away and listen whenever I'm trying to hear something specific or see if something made a change or how this is related to this. I, I do mix a lot visually, but then when I really want to hear it, I'll either, I will either look away to see if this change is working or I will literally, literally spin my chair around, especially when I'm mixing, listening to the whole mix, I'll spin my chair around and listen to how it sounds in the room without looking at anything, just listening to the music. I don't have uh, uh, the visualization that I, uh, uh, to reference here that I wanted, but uh, um, one of the things you know that I also, with that said about mixing and mastering with your eyes closed, I think it's important to use the tools, the visual tools that you have, as a way to double check and and reinforce, you know, and qualify what you're hearing, right? You know, um, and so in that respect, those are good tools. I think. Uh, um, I, I think the point is um, not to uh, have over-reliance on them and to really, uh, it, it's about, it's about what you're hearing. It's about right. what other people are going to be hearing, you know, um, uh, no one else is ever going to see the visualization and metering and things like that that you have. That's a, such an important point because yeah, you can look at it all you want, but in the end, somebody's going to go listen to this somewhere with no visuals associated with it whatsoever. They don't care that you're, that your thing was in the orange or even touching the red. Yeah. <laughs> They're never going to know if it sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah. But, and so the tools, and sometimes, you know, it might be a visualization is showing you something you didn't catch. Mm. And other times it might be reinforcement of something that you did hear. You know what I mean? Mm. And, yeah. and so it's a, it's a way to, uh, to check something out in a different way and, and to validate what you're hearing and maybe to introduce what you're not. So it was just I a, have a question for you. Yeah. So I know that you keep adding hardware and I know that you recently added, um, VU meters yeah. to your setup. How has that, or has that changed, um, any of your process or your workflow or how do you use those differently than you use the metering in your DAW? So VU meters are a representation of, uh, a closer representation of, how, uh, of seeing something in a way that we actually hear it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because view meters uh, have a slower response time than the digital meters. Uh, mm -hmm. You have the, the actual throw of the uh, of the meter dial. It's about uh, three milliseconds or something like that, to, and then a you know delay of, mm. of, you know, of response because it's you know it's an analog response. And the same thing on the downside. So what you actually see is more of an average that maybe represents more of an RMS type mm -hmm. of uh, in um in an uh, in an analog sense and it's just another way of me looking at it one thing is that i have it um in my patch bay uh mm -hmm. so that i can patch point it's really nice so so i can take my adda out you know right off of that cuz i'm using uh half normal in my patch bay 
Right. And, and that means I can basically make a Y chord from any point. All right. So I can, I can grab an output without affecting the signal chain and send it to the view. And the view is never in the actual signal path. It's just grabbing a copy and I'm seeing what's at that, what's happening at that particular point. And then I can move it over uh, um, after the EQ if I want to just mm -hmm. uh, grab the output of the EQ and run it into the view. What, uh, what changed after I did EQ processing? Am I, uh, uh, um, you know, am I seeing um, levels uh, because of uh, different frequency boosts that I might've uh, made that are actually hotter than what I'd really like them to be, you right. know? Uh, you know, a lot of it is, uh, what, what effect does this really have? Um, it's also lets me, um, if I see that I've got digital clipping, um, coming back in, like at the very last stage, like in my, uh, uh limiter, mm -hmm. um, then on the input of my limiter, if it's too hot, I can go back through my chain, uh, uh, with the view meter and find out where I might need to, uh, you know, work on them on a level that's actually coming out at a certain point. Um, so that's how I'm using them. So are you saying that you don't have it in there all the time? You only use it to check changes or did I mishear you? Um, no, it's always in something. Um, okay. uh, so right now it's, it's, I've got it on the, uh, the, the 80, the 80 DA out before mm -hmm. any processing. Yeah. I'm just checking it at that point. I can put it at the very end of the chain, um, mm -hmm. and check the, uh, that would be, um, the same as my monitor output. So I can, I can grab uh, right. a copy of what's actually going to my monitors and look at it at that point. So it just depends. Uh, but, but I use it to check before and after processing mm -hmm. is mainly the way that I use it. You said something really interesting that uh, I think could easily be missed or, or uh, people don't necessarily think about. I know when we, we think of compression as being related to level, like you compress something it either makes it louder or it allows you to make it louder. But we don't often think of EQ as affecting levels, but what EQ really is, is localized volume control. So it's very important to check your levels after making, particularly if you're making big EQ changes, you know, anything over a couple of dB of change is going to affect your volume, your, your, your levels. So, Oh yeah. That's a you know, oftentimes point. I have to attenuate, after the uh, um, after the EQ, sometimes you know somewhere between uh, uh, two and uh, uh, four dB of attenuation. Because yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's uh, you really need to to keep an eye on that because if you're seeing a hot signal coming in at the end of your chain, for me, it's it's hardly ever compression that's causing that. That's it's it's um, and the reason that is is because I go for unity on my compression. For, so as far as makeup gain is concerned, oh, okay. um, I'm trying to have the the, the in and out level um, as close same. to the same as as I can. That's the way I like to do it. Um, yeah. Sometimes if I want to go for, I've got more headroom, and sometimes if I want to use that for gain stage, um, mm -hmm. then that's available to me. But normally I'm I'm running unity on the compression. So, uh, well, yeah, that makes sense for mastering because you don't really you want the level to be a completely separate operation than whatever compression you're doing because that'll be uh, either for tone tone shaping or control or something like that. Yeah. Well, it, it, what you find is that the hotter your signal is coming into your limiter, the less headroom you have, to, uh, right. um, you know, to to work with it at that point in time. But then right. it ends up being a balance, and you can kind of I sort of work forward and backward and forward. And then you know, when I get you know, I'm doing gain staging, 
it's not the first thing I really do. Um, it's, it's kind of a setup and, and like a rough gain staging, but after I start, um, adding in, um, different processing, then I really get into gain management and I'm working on that kind of through the process. So I always, I always, you know, do something and go look and what effect did that have done at the end mm-hmm. uh, on the master bus? Where am I at right now with gain? How much headroom can I get? How loud can I get this? You know? Um, yeah. Have we done an episode on gain staging? Cause that's a really important topic. I don't think we should no. necessarily go all the way down the rabbit hole now, but that's something that, uh, gosh, that's super important. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know that I have a good way to explain it because it seems I don't really have a set process. It's just kind of, I'm working, you know, with, uh, with what happens through the session and, you know, so I have an initial setup and here I've got what I think is going to be the headroom that I need when I, um, when I set my initial levels with the, sure. uh, the, the, the mix that's been delivered to me, you know, and then after that it's, it's do something, check it, tweak it, you know, as far as gain staging is concerned, uh, where am I at now? You know, what am I hearing? A, B, and you know, there's just, I'm just rolling through all yeah. these things that I think I need. And I don't know that they're always the same. Yeah. Well, you're only working with a two track. So gain staging for mastering is very different than gain staging for mixing. Yeah. But what I'm concerned with is is uh, the headroom that I have, not uh, crushing dynamics. I really don't right. want, like to crush dynamics. I mean, there's some genre, you know, it's like, yeah, we want to crush it here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, for the most part, um, that's that's not the majority of of the material that I uh, that I am currently working with anyway. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 all there's a lot of uh, subtle you know vocals and and instrumental parts that all need to play together and and the dyna- dynamics is so important in you know in letting that breathe and so yeah, yeah. Uh, limiting is is um, um, something I want to do. Um, really lightly and, you know, really, you know, if there's something like a, uh, uh, really strong snare transient throughout, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just want to kiss that and just, um, you also have to be careful of with compression that, you know, when you have a really dynamic track like that, and, and maybe there's, there's like one element that's really, you know, hitting, uh, mm-hmm. some higher amplitudes, uh, you know, of dynamics, a big loud snare. Yeah, well, you don't, you know, you you don't want to pump the entire track because the snare, you know what right. I mean. And uh, yeah, so, yeah. so with compression and with limiting, you know that that is going to kind of give you where your ceiling is, you know, if if you know right, what right. I mean. But, yeah, yeah, that's all a good point. Um, you ever? Maybe this is more of a mixing thing. You ever use soft clipping to round those peaks as opposed to limiting? No. Okay. <laughs> next question <laughs> we'll, we'll do we'll talk about that in the in a future gain staging compression level no talk. i usually i work with it uh normally like with gain and then just um um uh like soft compression i you know like um like uh, n- normally a um an aggressive uh compression setup might be like uh um maybe a, a, a six DB threshold, um, yeah. um, with two to one compression that with a, uh, you know, maybe a, uh, a fast attack and a, and a medium release. And mm. I mean, it's really easy with, with that. That may not sound like much, but, um, no, I can, you can, you can actually, you know, if you've got a strong transient, you can start getting subtle pumping into like the vocals and things like that, you know, which mm-hmm. becomes 
um, apparent. And something I've been working on a lot, it's hard to hear because it's subtle. Right. And uh, uh, um, so really, I've just been kind of gravitating towards um, less is more in compression and, uh, you know, subtle. Uh, Subtle is so much better in most cases uh, other than you know, the, the genres that need to be crushed. <laughs> Heavy know? metal hip hop. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those are a different story. Now the hip hop is fun. Um, but the thing is that, uh, with the low end, mm-hmm. the low end's actually easier to work with, uh, on the pumping. Um, because, right. well, you kind of want it to pump. Yeah. Because, well, I can, well, one, you want it to pump and two, you can control it easier because I can send a, um, a, a low past, uh, channel out mm-hmm. to the uh out to the sidechain input of my uh of my compressor and then uh set the the low pass frequency adjustment on the compressor itself so so then I can actually kind of like control how much of that bass is actually right. going to be uh, uh triggering the compressor you know yeah that's my for the last several months i've been uh my go to bus compressor. Uh, has been a, a slate SSL style bus compressor that uh, has a built-in sidechain. So basically, you put it on and you use that that setting, and it basically ignores it ignores the lowest end, so it doesn't compress that. It just yeah. compresses everything else, and oh, it yeah. just sounds meatier. I like it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a nice thing. So you don't get the low end compression, which is good. Um, and then it also, uh, helps control the, uh, what frequency you actually want to trigger compression on. Um, right. So that, yeah. yeah so, so that high pass or the, uh, low pass, I guess. Yeah. Um, low pass, high pass, low pass. <laughs> that's a low high, pass. it's a high pass is the stuff that actually gets compressed. Um, so yeah. the low, Cause it's, it's pretty, it's pretty well known that if you have too much low end energy, it's going to throw off your it's going to really over affect any like bus compression or, or limiting because there's just so much energy down there. And that's yeah. kind of a frequent issue with people who are, you know, home mixing, uh, home producing, and they don't have a good monitoring setup and they're always adding more bass because they can't hear it. And that is an example actually where using visual metering is a good idea because it's stuff that you can't actually hear, especially if you have maybe you know, you don't have full range headphones or you don't have a good, um, good room response or full range speakers. You can't hear that stuff. So you have to rely on, oh, there's a lot of energy down here at 30 Hertz, which isn't being reproduced in my monitoring setup, but I can see it. So now I can get in there and work on that. So that's kind of the opposite of the, you know, use, trust your ears. Yeah. Now in this studio, um, I'm able to reproduce really low. Sure. And um, a lower than what I can hear. Um, I think you've seen my uh, um, subwoofer, my curves before, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen your curves. You see my curves, baby. <laughs> and um, I don't show everyone my curves, but I do you. <laughs> I am blessed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, oh, but <laughs> uh, I use feel for s- sub bass. Oh yeah, you know, um, as well as visual. So when you mm-hmm. are able to reproduce it, you get the advantage of, can you feel it in your chest? You know, um, oh, dude, they have, and I haven't used it, but I've seen people use it in videos. It's a, it's like a, it's like a backpack thing you put on and it's basically like a subwoofer, 
that you feel. It's so weird. I hear laughing already, but it's like, I know it's so, it's so nerdy. It's basically, it's like a strap on subwoofer thing that allows you to hear and allows you to feel that stuff that you can't see. Um, so, so, hey, listeners, if you use a strap on, would you want to comment in the, uh, and please tell don't. Us about- <laughs> We don't want to hear about your strap on. That's a different podcast altogether. No, it looks like one of those baby Bjorn things, but I don't know, or a, or yeah. a camel camel pack, whatever those you know the bicyclers were. And it, but it's but it's for sub it's for all that sub bass energy, and so that way you can. I guess if you're mixing a lot of hip hop, maybe that's a good thing to have if you can't hear your stuff in your room and you don't have a subwoofer. But <laughs> just saying that there are ways to reproduce that level of sound that you can feel. Oh, let's change the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I'm usually the one that takes stuff there. I didn't expect you to take it there. (laughs) I think think I want to end on that. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) Generally, visually metering is useful for certain things, but for the most part, you want to mix with your ears, not with your eyes. Double check with your eyes. Use, use the, ear all, is, the ear is key. Use, use all your senses, you know? Use all your senses when mixing. Taste the music, you know? Taste the music. <laughs> Smell the rainbow. <laughs> all right. And A-B. A-B so that you know whether what A-B. you're doing. I like, I like it when you can level match. You have certain plugins that will allow you to level match so that whatever is coming in is the same as what you're hearing. Yeah. So that you can hear what's being changed, not just the volume changes. Because often things sound yeah. better it, if they sound louder. And it may just be a level change and not an actual improvement. Yeah, if you're A-being at, at different levels, it's invalid. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it's, it's not working. It's not going to work. Um, you have to A-B um, uh, level matched. You have yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. If, like if you're using an A-B plug-in that doesn't level match, it, it, get rid of it. It's hurting you more than it's helping you. So. Ooh, ooh, good advice. That's a nugget <laughs> right there. Some of them, um, uh, some of the um, isotope pl- uh, uh, plugins all have bypass, and that bypass mm-hmm. uh, automatically does level match, um, that's yeah. what, which is really nice. That's one feature on isotope stuff. I don't use yeah. it, but I used to. Ozone has that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I use Metric AB. And, uh, Metric uh, AB, also great for that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's got a lot more than just the AB. But um, um, it's nice to be able. I mean, I shouldn't say that. It it's got a lot more than just a being your. Oh yeah. You know, um, original to the you know to what you're hearing. There's there's a b for all the visualizations as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and I so find overlay, that often, overlay the curves of your reference track with what you're. Yeah, hearing. and that's so useful to see what what impact have I actually had in a certain uh, frequency mm-hmm. range. Yeah. Um, and compare, you know, to, um, uh, to the original, that gives me some validation of the area that I was working in. It's like, oh yeah, that's so, I'm, um, and when you see that, you can see that it's not that you're attenuated all in one place. You've got a, a, a bandwidth of, of, uh, of boost or attenuation, right. which is affecting your gain, you know, so you can actually visually see how uh, the EQ actually makes a difference in, in loudness, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, rabbit hole alert. Um, <laughs> use all your meters <laughs> but also look away from your meters <laughs> we just don't know how to stop we can't stop we can't stop and we could do this all day <laughs> we could do this all day yeah um 
<laughs> anyway, but let's not do it all day. <laughs> no. <laughs> we got other stuff to do. No, because, uh, you know, listeners like things to be close to 30 minutes or less, and we're already over. So. We're right there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank all you right, all everybody. for listening. Thanks Thank for tuning so in. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for watching. And, uh, yeah, thanks for watching. Don't want to alienate our, our our four subscribers. Do we have four subscribers? Do we have four now? Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it was just the three for so long. Yeah. I think we might have four. Yes. YouTube is taking off, man. <laughs> All right, people. Peace. Have, Have a great, great week. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>